Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me 
and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, author of The Peaceful Man, Hill Within Yourself, The Personal Effects and Historic Patterns of Male on Male Violence, Mr. Brad Muhort. Brad, my friend, how are you? What is happening in your world today? And well, Michael, thank you. It's a beautiful, sunny February day, which is uh, unusual where I live in the Seattle area. So really enjoying it. Nice. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I know that some people in the, the PNW are getting blasted by snow right now. So I do not miss those days. I can tell you that much, man. You know, it's funny when, when I came across you and you and I had our first conversation and we we're talking about your mission and your goals and, and what it is that you're, you're doing and creating this conversation around violence, especially male on male violence. I was like, man, this is a powerful conversation. Like, like myself and many of our listeners you know, I, I suffered tremendous violence at the hands of my stepfather, men that I was around as a child, peers. Um, I also, in turn, was very violent, something that we see in this kind of secular generational pattern that starts to happen from informed behaviors. And so I was really excited to bring you on to talk about this. Before we dive in too deeply, I'd love for you to tell us a bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So. In the context of my book, of this story, it started when I was in my early adolescence and I, I was being physically bullied quite severely. And that was escalating. It was getting worse and worse until I reached the point where I felt like I had no choice but to fight back. And as a result of that, being capable of violence and willing to use it actually became something that was very important to me in my adolescence. It seemed to me that the only way that I could be safe was to be capable of violence and in a sense be crazy enough to, to be willing to use it such that I wouldn't be bullied, that I wouldn't be, that I wouldn't be hurt. You know, the, the bullying had reached a point where uh, there was one incident in particular. I didn't know if I was going to walk away from it in a uh, hole in my body. And that, that relationship to violence went into my early adulthood. And in many, in many respects, I would say I kind of matured past it. And yet... It continued to 
affect me in ways. I realized at some point how much, how much trauma I actually had from that, that leftover from that violence that came through in various ways that really affected my life in, in negative ways. And when I started to realize that, that sent me on a healing journey, which, you know, at first I didn't realize how much would be there, but over the last couple of decades, I've gone through repeated cycles of, of doing healing work to go deeper and deeper. And about around 2014, I engaged with various types of work, starting to work with other men on their healing journeys who had been exposed to violence and having a lot of conversations along those lines, leading to the book that I published recently. Let's rewind a bit because I want to, I want to go deeper into this context. Yeah. As, as I was getting into your work and as I was preparing for this conversation, I couldn't help but think about all of the times I was bullied as a kid. And, and it's, it's often kind of weird to reflect on it. Cause like today I'm six foot four, two twenty. I've practiced martial arts for over a decade. You know, I, I grew up, I wrestled and, and, but like being the poorest kid, literally we were the poorest kid in the school, me and my brothers, we, we stole food to survive. We were on the lunch card. We were on wick and food stamps. We like, honestly, dude, I would steal clothes from the, uh, lost and found. And then kids would be like, that's my shirt. And I'd be like, no, it's not. And then we would be fighting. And it was like, I was reflecting on a lot of these experiences in youth. And it was like, for me, it was being bullied in school, mm -hmm. in sports, in Boy Scouts, kind of just everywhere. And yeah. then at home. And it was like, I could never escape it. And that led to this thing where like, not only was I in incredibly violent and not in like a, com but not in a competitive way where it's mutual, right? Like martial arts or like football or basketball or things. It was like, we were so crazy. Like one of my little, and he knows I talk about this. One of my little brothers actually wanted to stab me one day. Like he grabbed a kitchen knife. We're like 11 years old and he's about to kill me. And I'm like, we learned this. And so I'm, I'm wondering if go into a little bit more about your, your childhood and your background and the, in what those experiences were like for you. Because I think that people don't truly understand what's going through kids' heads when these experiences are happening. And, and I want to go into that a little bit deeper because I know there's parents listening today. Yeah. First of all, you know, I, I want to say, you know, I, I come from demographics that you actually might not expect experience that much violence. I grew up, you know, middle class, relatively safe neighborhood. You wouldn't expect actually looking at where I came from that I encountered nearly, nearly as much violence as I, as I did. And that's where, that's one of, where one of my perspectives comes from. This is so universal. Even people you wouldn't expect, males you wouldn't have expected to encounter a lot of violence, they probably encountered some. To answer your question more specifically, I think maybe just getting into a couple of incidents in a little bit more detail, it might be, it might illustrate that most clearly. 
uh, I was being bullied at school. This is where the most severe bullying was happening. And it was four or five boys who were usually all of whom were a lot bigger, bigger and stronger than me. And they were collectively ganging up on me and, and bullying me. And it had been getting worse and worse. And then there was this one, one incident where two of them grabbed each of my legs. So there was four of them. They're effectively having a tug of war with me, my legs being pulled apart. And I remember feeling terror in that, in that incident. I didn't know if I was going to ever walk again. My, my hips were being pulled apart so strongly. And leading up to that incident, at first I didn't, I didn't tell my parents about what was going on because I was, I had a lot of shame about it. Hmm. Um, but eventually I did tell my parents and my dad took the perspective and, you know, the only way that you're going to end this bullying is if you fight back. He said, what you have to do is grab one of them and just start punching. And he said, it actually doesn't even matter if you win or lose. If you fight back, you're no longer an easy target. So, mm -hmm. and he says, as soon as you're, you're, you're just engaged with one of them, it turns into a fight and the others will, will actually let that happen. And at first I was like, that's crazy. I can't do that. They're all, they're all bigger and stronger than me. I'll get killed. But after this incident that I described where I was the rope in a tug of war, something shifted for me. So I'd almost say something snapped in me and the risk of fighting became less than the, than the risk of letting that bullying continue. So I told my dad, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do it. I'll fight. And he made a punching bag for me and uh, basically taught me to punch you know it, nothing nothing very sophisticated very very rudimentary but uh, a couple days later at school i was like okay when when they come for me i'm i'm gonna fight back and i did and exactly what he described would happen as soon as i'm engaged in a one-on-one -on -one fight with someone the others will back off and let the fight happen and much to my astonishment, I actually won the fight. And I'm going to say that that day really, you know, not that I was never bullied again. That's not true by any stretch of the imagination, but it was never so severe. It was never like it was before. And in a sense, that, uh, that is that, that's what made the capacity for violence so important to me for the rest of my adolescence. It seemed to me that my, in a sense, my very survival was dependent on being capable of violence and being willing to fight. And and certainly any sense of comfort in the world was dependent on violence, which is, you know, today I look back on it and it's, it, it almost seems contradictory. And yet that's, that was very much my potentially irrational experience at the time, but nonetheless, my adolescent experience. 
Yeah, I'm, I resonate with that a lot. I, I wish that I would have had a, a, a father figure to be like, yo, go fight this person. I found that out by accident. Like I was just so fed up and we were on, I'll never forget. We were on the school bus. I was in, I think I was in sixth grade this particular time. And I just went crazy because I was just a very odd child. Right. And I, I know that about myself, just odd. Like I, I didn't have social skills. Um, a lot of people thought that I probably had some kind of learning disability, which I probably do, whatever, who cares? And so I was an easy target. And it, and it was literally through this moment of like, oh, wait, if I punch this dude in the face, he'll leave me alone. And that's what happened. That's what transpired. And that started to play out in my life too, like fighting friends, fighting my parents, fighting like all the time. And, and anyone who knew me as a teenager, they knew I was like incredibly violent. And it right. just seemed second nature. Like it, it came to this point where it was like, I don't know how to be anything else. My words are violent. My actions are violent. My mentality is violent. I walked around with guns and knives. And, and, and when I was in public settings, like I had keys between my knuckles all the time. Talk about like the most hyper vigilant response known to man. Right. And it's funny, like what you said, looking back on it now, 20 something years removed from that, it's like, man, what a different world that was. And, and one of the big pivoting things for me early on was realizing like I had actually turned into a bully myself. Mm. And you think about this concept of, of generational trauma and impact. Yeah. And I can't help but think that those boys who picked on you, who picked on me, they, God knows what was happening in their homes. Absolutely. God knows what was happening with their parents. And I know that's one of the things that you talk about. And and we'll get into that a little bit deeper, but what I'm curious about is like, what was the impact? Like, how did this affect you once you got out of school? Right. Cause life becomes very, like to me, like school's a lie, man, that's nonsense. It's not even real. And then you get into the world and it's like, yo, I got fired from jobs for being violent, not physically, but mentally and emotionally. I got fired from jobs for being verbally abusive to people. And I was like, dude, what the, f like, you know, and it was like, there was a difference. And so I'm wondering, like, what, what was life for you after school? You're in your late teens, you're in your twenties, you're in this real world. Like what was happening now? Yeah, well, I mean, so a couple different things, you know, I, uh, I joined the military when I was 19. And when I look back on it, you know, why did I choose to do that? And it was, in a sense, it was looking for even more capacity for violence. That's what I knew. That was the way to be safe, to be a man, to be strong, is to go for greater capacity for violence. And were you, you know, I want to interrupt you real quick. I'm so Were you cognizant of that? No, I okay. really wasn't. It was more, it was more like the water I was swimming in sure. at the time. And, you know, I never got deployed anywhere or anything in, in the military out of, you know, well, that was before all, you know, there was so many active wars, et cetera. Um, but, you know, that was, so I, I didn't, I didn't experience that level of violence and trauma, et cetera. But, you know, that was, I, I look back on that as, as really being an expression, a very misguided expression of what I had learned about violence. So that's, 
that would be the f- the first thing is that I didn't even I didn't even know how the extent to which that was the lens I was seeing everything through. And then as I got older, you know, you mentioned this this vigilance that that you had and realizing that okay, I may not be encountering violence uh you know very much now in my adult life and yet I had this vigilance that was irrational in a sense and I, and I recognized that that I couldn't let go of in a sense it you know it's um I wouldn't have labeled it that way right you know in my relatively early adulthood but I would look at it now as I was I was anxious um even even at moments you know going into into actual fear just you know like hearing um and you know hearing a sound a, a sudden sound and i'm i'm ready to fight and you know just not even without even even thought going on and so realizing this this anxiety that i was carrying and um realized how much of a load that that was yeah it's fascinating when you look at it and you understand yourself better and I, I i didn't understand myself at all i was so removed you know you talk about this idea about being dissociated mm. the the brain and the body being removed from each other as a survival mechanism to to violence right to to stimulus of trauma to and yeah. and now i look i go man i had ptsd since i was like six years old and it was car doors would close my stepdad would come home um loud noises on the television something would break like all of these things would i would feel it in my body so incredibly which so many people do and i just thought that was normal and it was incredible to me when i got deep into this healing journey where i was like that's not normal at all actually dude it it's normal fifteen thousand years ago 10,000, 5,000, 2,000, even 500 years ago, probably normal, right? Today right. in the world and the society that we live in, it should not be normal, but it is. And I think that's one of the things people miss. Right. It shouldn't be normal in a sense. I, it doesn't need to be normal. And yet I would also say it's commonplace that, you know, and certainly there's very different degrees of the amount of violence that boys encounter growing up. But I don't think very many actually escape it altogether. And it is so, so commonplace. And, you know, our, our society, you know, all these boys will be boys. It's so it's very accepting of violence in some ways, even glorifying of violence. You know, the, our, our heroes are all, they're all heroes because they're capable of violence. Mm. And so I think that, a lot of boys just kind of discount like, oh, yeah, violence. Well, of course, like, I mean, or or no, that wasn't it wasn't very severe. So I wasn't affected by it. And yet, actually, it doesn't take a lot of violence, you know, never mind actually there being a lot of violence to actually leave some trauma in its wake. Yeah. I mean, any of the research, I mean, I've interviewed anyone from Gabor Mate to Dr. Anna Lamke, Dr. Caroline Leaf. I mean amazing people who study this as a life dedication and they all one one experience one experience is all it takes to set the precedent 
And you're right. so right about the the hero. As you're talking, I was like, who are my heroes as a kid, right? And they were they were like GI Joe and Army and X Men, right? And right. And I saw the movie Sniper with Tom Berenger when I was mm -hmm. probably my favorite films as a child were Sniper with Tom Berenger and Full Metal Jack. And there's no reason a eight year old should be watching those films. Right. And so I. As a teenager, my, my number one goal, I wanted to be a Marine Corps scout sniper. And then because of some injuries, I couldn't get through MEPS, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's fascinating now as I kind of reflect in real time and I'm thinking like, who are the heroes today? They all carry guns. They're Jack Reacher. They're, yeah. they're, 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 you know, Marvel guys. And like, I get it, right? I mean, even my, my probably one of my favorite heroes of all time is Rocky. I mean, Rocky, right. if you watch the film, is really a love story, but there's still this entanglement of violence in it. Absolutely. And so how, like, what I'm thinking in real time, it's like, how do you, how do you even combat that? It's like the same conversation around sex. Like, it's everywhere, but people don't talk about it. So how do you navigate when you're like, man, I'm always feeling triggered. I'm always feeling in, you know, hypervigilant. I always feel outside of my body, but it's everywhere like, like brad what do you do man well on a societal level i think it's really difficult to to combat directly even that word i use combat it or fighting it i think that the the deepest solution the the really the only long-lasting solution that's going to have a major impact is for individual men to go on their healing journeys to do their healing work and for enough men to do that work to really shift the way things are the the perspectives and you know i think things have gotten better let's say in my lifetime and and they have a long ways to go. It's that's not to say we're we're almost there, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's like we're we're a little bit further along, but there's there's a lot further to go. And I I see the that just individual men doing their deep healing work and really, in a sense, overcoming their individual trauma so that they don't they don't spread it. You know, you mentioned this this, you know, the the patterns, the cycles of violence. I, I think the the violence that we see in some sense, it's, you know, it's all cycles that probably goes back centuries to the Middle Ages when things were, you know, ridiculously more violent than than they are now, maybe even goes back further than that. And the way I see it, when a man experiences, well, let's say when a boy experiences his body being disrespected, his boundaries being violated that boy learns that bodies and boundaries are not something to be that need to be respected he actually learns to do that to others and this is not to say that all boys all men who are victims of violence will go on to to commit violence and yet i'm willing to bet that there are not very men who act violently who haven't been victims of violence themselves in fact i would i would be willing to bet that it's extraordinarily rare for someone to commit violence who hasn't already been a victim of it so this is where the importance i think of 
doing the healing work is men, you know, and I'm focusing on men because that's men doing their healing work because that's who commits the most violence and who it seems to me, uh, it's, you know, boys will be boys. The violence against boys and men is often kind of discounted or accepted. And so there's so much violence committed against men by other, other men, boys and men. And I think doing individual men doing their healing work is the way of breaking these cycles such that on both small and, and large scales, this violence doesn't get committed against others and we break these cycles. Yeah. And you know, I, I'd be hard pressed not to say that part of me knows that as humans, we are prone to violence. It just, Absolutely. it's our nature. Go look at, we live in the safest time ever. This is what people don't understand. We live in yeah. the safest time ever in right. history. Humans have been so terrible to each Like, dude, it's crazy what we've done to each other over the, the time that we've been here. And yet we live in the safest time of all time. And, and I think that there, there has to be a healthy expression of violence because boys will be boys. Like I do think that, but there has to be this healthy expression of, that's why I love sports. I love martial arts. I love the discipline involved in it. And that's how I fell into it, right? Without right. sports, without martial arts, God knows what the kind of shit I would have really started to do. Not that I didn't do some really stuff. And, and I think about that today, how it served me. Martial arts has given me discipline. It's given me the ability to, to handle really difficult moments of my life. Right. And, and also, here's what's really interesting. And I don't know if, I'm curious if your military training has given you this. Because when I learned to defend myself, I realized I never have to use it. And, and that's been this really beautiful journey for me. And getting into healing and, and I want to go into your story a little bit more in depth here. I realized I, I was never violent physically in relationships, like intimate relationships with women. I was never violent because I saw my stepdad beat up my mom. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. My God, man, the verbal violence was unbelievable. Mm. Not only what I would say to myself, but what I would say to my partners, to my brothers, to my, even my friends. And and it was like, I hit this rock bottom moment and I was like, you got to change everything, dude. You're, you're mm. destroying everything in your path. And I don't think most, and I'm going to speak as a man, cause I am a man. I don't think most men realize it cause we're, we grow up believing that it's okay to be this way. And then it's reinforced through society. Like we're talking and then in your home or boiling and bu bullying, excuse me, and things of that nature. And so I'm wondering it took a rock, but it took my life becoming a complete disaster for me to address this thing that was destroying me. And I'm wondering what happened for you. Like, what was your journey into healing? Like, where did that begin? Well, it really started in a, actually in my first marriage. It was not, it was not going well. And it was, I was really, you know, specifically looking to, you know what? I take that back. That actually is not, that was actually kind of what, what came secondarily. I was having health issues and was getting nowhere 
you know, dealing with them on a, a, in kind of a medical, physical type of way. It was like, there's, there's nothing there. And I actually, it was actually uh, a hypnotherapist who I first worked with. And it was kind of like, as soon as I just started pulling back the, you know, the cover on all of the, all of what I was feeling, all of the, the trauma that I just kind of like, you know, put in a box and moved beyond in some ways, at least from on a superficial level, my life looked like it was going pretty well at that point, but I didn't, I wasn't feeling that I was, uh, I was struggling and, you know, I was, I've, in a sense, always been very good at keeping my life together in terms of, you know, going through school, career, et cetera. So it looked like things were going well, but they, they weren't really. Emotionally, I was kind of a mess. And it was just kind of, you know, the first, it was kind of the physical issues I was having that started to pull back the layers. And as soon as it did, it was just kind of like, oh, wow. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot here that I need to work, to work on. So it wasn't so much of a rock bottom for me as, uh, what I was trying to, what I had put away, repressed, just finding a way to the surface, not, um, not accepting the the repression which i think is the way it you know it always is we it's repression is is rarely going to be long lasting and in a sense you know i'm i'm glad it it came out for me in as mild a way as it did when i was relatively young so that that, that i could be forced to work on it at that point because it certainly can go a lot, a lot longer, a lot deeper. There's, I don't know if you've ever read The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. I have. Yeah. It's, uh, anyone listening, like, you must read that. It's it's a must read yeah. for life. Absolutely. I think it, it's a lot, it's an arduous read, like you're going on a journey, yeah. but like, it's a read worth having. And he actually opens up talking about people in the military. Like, I think it's one of the most really interesting parts of the book. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, let me step back from that. Your your body, your physical being, this vessel that we are in, it seeks peace. You you cannot be in a constant flight or flight state and expect to be happy, healthy, worthy, abundant, right. full, joyful, love. You just can't because the body is always in combat you use that word and i think that is the word that fits this most most significantly yeah and i realize like as you're talking about these things starting to show themselves when you stuff it down and stuff it down it's coming out right whether you like it or not it is like you you better get your ass ready because it is coming and it will not be pretty and you're right. going to learn a lot which i think is really beautiful it's like it's a beauty there's a beauty in the suffering of that beginning of this journey i would agree yeah and i do think the the body aspect of it is so important you know violence 
When we're victims of violence, the violence is happening against our bodies. When we're violent with someone else, we're doing it with our bodies. And incidentally, I do think committing violence is traumatizing as well. That leaves trauma in its wake as well. And so ultimately, I think the healing, it really needs to be in in the body. And what you say about, you know, the the difficulty of experiencing so many, you know, positive things, the potential for life to be so beautiful and wonderful in so many ways. When we have all of these, these emotions, all of this trauma stuff down, it really is hard, difficult to, to ask, to access, to experience fully those aspects of life. And, and in encouraging men to do healing work, you know, it's, it's for themselves for just to be able to really experience their their lives in as as beautiful a way as possible so that they can have the you know as much success and contribute to the world in the way they want to and it's also for their families so that they don't you know um they don't spread the violence they experienced onto partners children anyone they come in contact with in extreme ways, but also even in subtle ways, you know, I think when even even if, you know, someone who has it, who's been a victim of violence, who's just learned to bottle those up, maybe they have the restraint not to be physically violent with others, but it can come through in other ways that, you know, probably not as bad in general as, you know, punching someone, being physically violent with someone and yet also far from ideal. Yeah. And there's, oh man, you're so right about the family thing. Like, as you were saying that it, you know, I, I look at the relationship my brothers and I have today, there's no violence. It's incredible. Like, I mean, really it is truly incredible because man, we went to war with each other. I remember one time I literally slammed my brother through the drywall. Like there in my grandmother's old house, there's an outline. It's funny in retrospect, but there's an outline of his body in the wall. You know, it's and it's like, terrible. what is that? That is not okay, man. Like, that's right. not good. That's not life. That's not love. That's not what it takes and requires. And I, I look at my, my, my teens and my twenties and, and I don't have children at this moment and I will one day, I'm sure. Um, and I'm like, I don't want them exposed to that. I don't right. want them to ever feel fear when they walk through the door. This needs to be a place of love and hope mm. and companionship and growth and and challenge you know you, let's see you know life is not easy we need to build you for that right but it should be supportive it should be this place yeah. where you have the ability to explore freely because when there's violence behind you or in front of you at all time you're not free man i felt like a prisoner as a kid i felt mm -hmm. like a prisoner in my 20s and, and as I head towards 40 now, it's like, man, there's an amazing sense of peace. You use that word, and I, th I think it's spot on. I remember once I was, I was on this ferry in Thailand, going between islands, going to a different Muay Thai camp, and I was just watching the sunset, and I was just like happy crying. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing, dude. And I was like, this is what the movies always talk about. You know, and I was like looking around, I was like making sure I wasn't being practical joke. And I was like, this is peace and everybody mm -hmm. deserves mm -hmm. this, but man, you've got to put in the work. 
and we yes. talk about this and, and this applies to women too. I know we've been talking about men a lot, but this applies to women. Like my, my girlfriend in high school would hit me constantly. And I was like, mm -hmm. this is normal. Right. And we believe that it is obviously I would never let that happen today. I certainly hope she's done her healing work, but you know, I, I think about that and it's scary, Brett. Like people, men, let's, let's stay on this for a moment are terrified of the vulnerability of the honesty of the, of the feeling of shame and guilt, which honestly, a lot of times doesn't even belong to them. Right. And so I, I made this decision for myself. I was like, I'm going to do this no matter what I'm doing this. It's going to suck really bad, but I'm doing it. And so I'm wondering like, what, what was the healing journey like for you? How did you get into vulnerability? How did you overcome shame and guilt? How did you step into being the man that you are today? It's been a winding staircase, I would say. And when I, when I started, I have no, I had no idea how, how far it would go, how many layers I would actually go through. And I'm just going to say step by step by step, you know, even in, even in, Honestly, even in the last six months, like since I, you know, even since, since my book has been published and I'm, you know, telling these stories of, of my violence encounters and my healing, I've actually, there's actually been things that have even I've encountered that have come up in the last six months that I'm like, oh, there's another layer here. There's still more work to be done. And I would say that, you know, for anyone who's, uh, you know, encounter any more than very mild trauma, I do think the journey in some sense just is going to have many layers. That's kind of inevitable. But on the other hand, I wouldn't want that to sound daunting to anyone who's kind of just starting on the healing journey because, you know, you don't need to commit to that on on, on, uh, up front. You don't need to say, oh, well, okay, this is going to be a 20-year process. Like, no, just just do whatever is in front of you right now. And there's been points in the last 20 years when I, when I've also, uh, you know, things have been stable. It, it tends to go in, you know, a number of months to a year or two, I'm kind of involved with some kind of work and I'm like, okay, this, this feels complete. I think things are stable now and I might not, not be doing healing work for a while, but then something else comes up and there's another, there's another layer of it. So that's kind of the, in, in terms of the engagement with my work. And then I will say in some sense, it, the reward actually becomes greater and greater in terms of, you know, what, what my life is like and what I experience and how I feel in the world and in my relationships, et cetera. It's, there is, you know, it's, the the healing work itself is often difficult especially in in it was in the beginning and getting through that difficult part i just always find there is such a reward just in terms of more peacefulness and richness um available in in my life in my experience of being hmm. it's a really beautiful way to put it like i i resonate with that a lot there there are riches like, like not literal in terms of like chests of gold, but like metaphorically and hypothetically, yep. it's like, they're rich. Like, it's awesome. Like it really, like, I try to explain this to people. I'm like, yeah, it sucks, man. Come into my coaching program. We're gonna, it's gonna suck. 
You're going to not like me probably most of the time because I'm going to point things out to you that you can't see. And then you're going to go do the work. You'll go deeper into therapy. You'll take care of your physical, mental, emotional self. And in three years, you'll be like, man, that was worth it. Every penny, every moment, every tear, because it's so rich and fulfilling to have peace, to have self-love, to be okay with the reflection in the mirror. And it's like, most importantly, to be able to be vulnerable. And, and that's the thing that I discovered, man. Like I was a brick wall. You're getting nothing out of me ever. Right. And I realized that the, the higher that wall went, the wider it went. And it became this impenetrable fortress where I'm inside imprisoned because of fear. Right. What if I talked about what happened to me as a kid? What if I ever talked about like getting my heart broken? What if I talked about what it's like to be obese and be bullied? What if I, and I was like, man, what if I help somebody because I talked about it? And that's why I love your story, man. That's why I love what you're doing with this book. Cause it's like, you gotta be crazy to do this. <laughs> yeah. And it's so necessary. And, I, and I, I wish more people would have the willingness to step into that. And I want to go deeper into vulnerability here because I think it, I want to really like pin into this for a moment. Men are terrified to be vulnerable. And yeah. we live in a society now today in which even women will be combative with men who are vulnerable and call them weak and call them. So I see it all the time, man. It's crazy to me. Yeah. And, and then you have that perpetrated. Plus you have this indoctrination of guys with other guys. Don't be a, be a pussy. We've been hearing that since we were children. Like that ain't new. And it's like, at what point though, do we have to get, let me rephrase that. We are beyond the point that we have to give men the space to be vulnerable. The question is, how do we do that? Well, I, I, th I think the biggest thing we can do is be vulnerable, vulnerable ourselves as examples and you know that was a big intention of my book to be transparent myself with my encounters you know how i felt you know even that yeah I, I felt a lot of shame and that's in a sense i think to nor you know that was nor that's normal in a sense to normalize that to invite men to confront that in themselves to see that and to give them an example of that being shared to encourage them to to share it and sorry i lost where i was going there no it's okay and i, I agree we do have to encourage men to share it we have to encourage women to give men the space to share it we have to allow people to know like here's the hard part about vulnerability is I think people are afraid they're going to be judged. And, and I, I've come to find really probably more so than anything that like when I step into being vulnerable, like nobody judges. And, and I think the reason why is because I'm, I'm offering truth that mm -hmm. is often like a doorway for people. I talk yeah. about the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the debt, the repos the violence, the abuse, the being obese, the addiction. I talk about, cause I'm like, man, it, I just believe in my heart. I'm like, if, like, if this helps people, it's worth it. Cause I already healed that. I'm good. We moved through that. So how can I be vulnerable and show up even more every day? Then, and, and I'm wondering if, if there's, if there's folks listening right now 
and they know that there's someone in their life that they need to work through this. They're, they're trapped in the violence. They're stuck in the steel cage. They're in this place where their partner goes, you never talk to me. Like, what are three things, like, what are two, three things that somebody can start doing right now? Like, what, it, what becomes a formula to success here? I think transparency with that person, similar to the, just the example of vulnerability and to, you know, really ask for that vulnerability and let them know. Just want to take take actually just a, a short detour here on in, in in a perspective that I have on vulnerability. I used to you talked about those brick walls and and I, you know one for through my adolescence into my early adulthood I saw it too as you know to be to be strong it was to you know almost to be beyond emotion to be um, just yeah, solid brick emotionally physically that was that was how to to be a man. I take almost the opposite perspective on that now, that that way of being is actually, I don't want to be so judgmental as to say it's cowardly because, you know, that's what men are taught. And in many sense, that's a very valid kind of way of coping. And yet I, and yet I, I would strongly say that that is not a, that is, that is not what takes the most courage to be able to go, you know, to be strong and to face violence. What I see as being the most courageous in some sense, the, the strongest embodiment of masculinity is to be willing to be vulnerable, to be, to show our full selves, to share our full selves, to, to not hide, to not put up those walls. And so in terms of encouraging, just getting back to your question, creating the spaces for men to be able to even just start experimenting with being anything other than those walls that they have learned to, to be and to, to, to have the, the safe spaces with the safe people to to share, to share themselves. And, you know, there are some things, certainly ideally, we want to be that way in our closest relationships. And at the same time, I, I, I actually generally encourage men to be cautious about starting kind of with their, their intimate relationships, you know, with, they're just kind of starting to explore their, you know, their, their trauma and their healing very possibly, you know, dumping all of that in a sense, or just starting to open that with, with a partner who might not know how to respond to that, how to hold that, uh, or be comfortable for it, be ready for it. I encourage caution there. And certainly, you know, with the right context and the right relationship, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. You want to be able to share all of those things with a partner, but I would generally recommend, you know, start with a listing professional of some type of therapist, coach, something like that, who really is, you know, knows how to hold the space for that and can can provide men with a safe space to to experiment and learn to really share themselves and to to be vulnerable. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that unbelievably. 
And I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is like trying to rely on their partners, their families, and their friends to navigate this journey. Do not do that. Stop it. Right. If you're listening to this, stop it right now. This is a terrible decision. Go find a professional, somebody, your friends did not sign up for this. Your wife did not sign. Your husband did not sign up for this. You need to go and get professional. That's why we are coaches. That's why we have speakers. That's why we have mental health professionals. And I'll I'll say this, you know, one of the things I'll add to this just on top or next to, I should say, what you've just laid out is I went to men's group therapy. Like I have four, you talk about being uncomfortable, dude, that was so uncomfortable. And I knew I had to do it. Like, and that's why I did it because I was like, I've, only thing I know about men is we're either fighting or we're talking about people we had sex with. I have no other, no other relationship with men. This cannot be healthy. I'm 29. Thank God. I don't know what hit me, but at 29, I was like, you need to go get men's group therapy. And so that's what I did. And it was a game changer. And I think a group setting, which is the same reason we do our Monday group coachings with Think Unbroken, it's, it creates a bigger parameter of safety. Um, and so I'd encourage people to find that, find people like Brad, find people like me because it will change yeah. your life. I promise if, if anything, it will just give you a sense of knowing you're not alone in this, right? Man, this has been an incredible conversation. Um, before I ask you my last question, please tell everyone where they can find you and learn more about the book. Easiest place to go is my website, peacefulmanbook.com. And uh, you can contact me there, find out about men's groups there, link to order my book there. So that's the easiest place, peacefulmanbook.com. Amazing. And of course, we'll put the link in the show notes at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. Just look up Brad on this episode, thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. The links will be in there as well as in our newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you do that. Brad, my friend, my last question for you, what does it mean to you to be unbroken in a word it means resilience and i think i could also look at it in terms of layers there's there's ways that you know there's there's moments that we might say okay you know i was broken in this moment but there's a larger scope that we can see our lives in which we could say is unbroken and in a certain sense you could look at uh you know our our essential nature as as humans that they're our life force we might say there's an unbrokenness to it no matter what happens to us as long as we're still alive there's some life force in us that is unbreakable. Hmm. Yes. I love that. I love that so much. And that's so incredibly true. Brad, my friend, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation. Thank you for listening. Please check out the show on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. Please get off the sidelines of life. Get in the game. When you leave a review, when you hit that thumbs up, when you subscribe, you're helping other people find this information and it could change their life, which means that you are part of this journey of ending generational trauma. My friends, thank you so much. And until next time, be unbroken. I'll see you.
Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the waitlist if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.